A lot of moving parts. It is all a dance. The sermon today is another in a series throughout the course of the fall that I have simply entitled, Why? I'm taking an opportunity, a sort of pastoral privilege, to get a little personal during these sermons, to talk with you from my heart about some things in the Christian tradition through uh, decades in ministry that have become important to me. Uh, Not so you learn about me, but so that in some ways we might talk together about things that uh, might make a difference in the wider church. And so I want to share with you a bit and tell some of my own story and reflect a bit with scripture about what all that might just mean. I invite you to share with me your own perspective on these same things. Because this is World Communion Sunday, Our topic today is, why is the church Catholic? You can add a little grace note to that, which is, why do I believe the church is Catholic? Now, the next sermon in this series is called, Why is the Church Reformed? We uh, worship in and participate in a stream of tradition in the church that's called the Reformed Tradition but it is not separated by a chasm from the Catholic tradition. It is, in fact, one and the same, but different expressions. At least, that is our perspective. And so we're going to spend a couple of Sundays talking and thinking about that. Today, why is the church Catholic? I read from the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. I'm going to read from verse 9 all the way to verse 25. This is a prayer that Jesus is offering on behalf of those who follow him. It is a prayer Jesus offers to the one he calls Father, the one we have come to understand Jesus is one and the same with. So hear this prayer of Jesus. Listen here for the word of God. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one who was destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy complete. In themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from evil. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 
and for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they may also be sanctified in truth. I ask not on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love which you have loved me with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The word of the Lord. Like waves on a beach in this prayer of Jesus, he continues to say the same thing over and over, but in new ways each time to say that we are one in him as he as one is one with the one whom he called Father, that the love that he shares with that one to whom he prays and with whom he is one is seen and known among us and through us in all the world. Let us pray. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. Now, I would never advocate that you should live your life like I have lived mine, except there is one thing, that I will imitate the Apostle Paul who told the churches to imitate him. I would ask you to imitate one thing, which is a conviction that has moved itself deep into my heart and soul and into my bones over decades in the church through hook and crook that we are one. That the church is Catholic in shape and form. If not Catholic in ecclesial structures, Catholic in spirit, universal, which is what the word means. Catholic means universal wide-stretched, inclusive. We are Catholic across our differences. We are Catholic across all that divides us. The church is a world that opens the world to us. I, for one, cannot see it any differently, for it is the world in which I grew. From a small, isolated place of similarity, 
the church became my opening to the world. The church was the place in which I, for one, in my own experience, learned about difference, learned about race and class, learned about differences in belief and in passion. The church was the place that opened the world and presented the world. I've always found it curious when people have said the church is a place where their questions were not allowed. Because in my experience, even as a child, the church was the place where the most interesting questions were asked. And the place where we could be imperfect on our way to discovering truth. It began in my household, in a house that was full of books, trained by the church. You've heard me tell this story before. My mother used to go to any used bookstore she could possibly find or used book sale, buy any book that had anything to do with the church, anything that had to do with theology, irrespective of the position from which it came. We had Billy Graham right next to the most arcane and sophisticated seminary theology texts. They were one and the same. They mattered the same. We were not educated into distinctions, but into a strange kind of openness. Even as a youth, and some of you may have had this experience, I, along the way, accidentally discovered a group of other teenagers from all kinds of different places in the church, from fundamentalist churches to Catholic churches to liberal churches to no churches at all, who decided that there was something interesting about religion, and so we got together once a week, every week on Friday night, and talked about our lives, read scripture, went out to the local Denny's for coffee and dessert, and just talked and prayed. From that group came a nurse who went to Cambodia to make her life in service. From that group came an Episcopal priest who went every summer to the Vatican to study Latin. From that group came a megachurch pastor in some town up in northern Michigan. From that group went people who went into business and vocations and life of all different varieties and kinds. But from that group came an openness of spirit that certainly forever changed me. When I decided to go off to university, it was my pastor who said to me, don't go one place, go every place. Don't worship in one church, worship in every church. Don't think one thing, think everything. Explore and learn. Chicago became the training ground. As every weekend I'd go off with a friend on the, on the elevated train to some other church, some place that we found in the, in the phone book that looked interesting. Some were a bit bizarre. Some were fascinating. In some churches, when, commun when it came communion time, we weren't allowed to share. In other churches, we were welcomed in as though we were sisters and brothers. I took a year overseas to test out these ideas somewhere else in another culture and was surprised to, to discover and meet in that time evangelical, conservative, committed Christians who considered themselves Marxists. Go figure that one out. What I learned in that is that the lines of political differences that we draw between church and belief in America is not what the rest of the world sees. The world sees differences differently than we do because God's world is grand and big and great and the church holds it all.
I went to a Presbyterian seminary as a United Methodist with an international student body. During that time, I spent a summer in the Middle East sponsored by the Middle East Council of Churches. Together, we started a little program at the seminary called the Cross-Cultural Training Program, trying to give students an opportunity, however small, to test what they were learning in the context of cultures different than their own. And along the way, however imperfectly I've expressed it, I learned that Jesus belongs to the whole church. And church belongs to the whole world. Lines in the realm of God that, are, that we draw are different than the lines we draw in the realm of worldly dreams and worldly power. The church is Catholic. Now I recognize that other believers in the worldwide church understand these terms differently. For some, the difference between Catholic and non-Catholic, between Presbyterian or Methodist, between Orthodox and Pentecostal, those lines are lines of authority, are lines of institutional difference, are lines that make a difference in how we live our lives together and how we commune together. There are cherished brothers and sisters in the faith who believe that it is our task to retain purity of doctrine and belief such that we should not fellowship with, we should not speak with, and do mission with people who believe differently than we. I embrace those as brothers and sisters. I just don't agree with them. For I believe deeply and powerfully that the Catholicity of the church is our openness that we share across the church. The church can be a foundation, the world from which we engage differences, even differences of faith entirely, those who don't claim Christ but still seek after truth. The church is a family. We split apart when we cannot negotiate our differences, when things get hot because we're near the fire, but beneath the surface of conflict and division and difference and hurt and ignorance and error, there is a current like an underground reservoir of Catholicity, of love, of worship, of trust. Unlike anything else in God's vision, the scripture you heard read today, that long prayer of Jesus in the Gospel of John, comes right before Jesus is, uh, the, the story of Jesus' progress to the cross begins. It comes right before he is betrayed and broken. I think there is great meaning in that. For this prayer does not state what I am saying, but I believe that prayer of Jesus assumes it. We infer our unity from it and in it. Jesus prays over and over again, not that the right doctrine will win, 
Not that his followers will be pure in their thought and convictions. Not that they will be the same. He does not pray that John will beat Peter. He prays that they might be one. That they might know and express the very love that unites him to the one he calls Father. Maybe the love that unites them and the love they express to the world. Our unity, our peace, our being across our differences, our Catholicity begins there, begins in that prayer of Jesus. It doesn't come sometime later. It doesn't come when they are finally united. It doesn't come when they finally have doctrinal agreement at some council or another four or five centuries later. It comes there in that moment when Jesus prays before he is broken for us. Our unity is his unity. Our unity is God's unity. When in the midst of that time, in high school that I was describing to you with learning and living with all of these friends who were trying to figure out what the world was about in God's vision, I decided that maybe I might want to become a pastor. Foolish as I might have been. And I announced the same. And uh, an older woman who I trusted looked at me and said one thing. The church will break your heart. Let it. That's how we know the Catholicity of the church. That's how we know the power of this prayer of Jesus. By knowing that the broad life of faith can break us and open us up. Let it break your heart. Let it lift your spirit. Let it protect your soul. Let it open your mind. Let it shape your imagination. Let it empower your body to be in the world in a different way. Let it point you toward a deeper unity and a deeper Catholicity in the one who loves us. There are traditions in this beloved church of God that see the table of communion in which we are about to share as the product or the conclusion of our unity. There are traditions throughout the church for their own good reasons say that until we are united we cannot share this meal together. Our tradition in the church, which is the one I claim and love, in the midst of that wider Catholic communion, sees that table differently. For we believe that our unity, our union in Christ, begins at that table. For when we lift the bread, as you heard earlier, and we break the bread, we remember that Christ's body was broken for us, and in that space between the two sides of the loaf shines the light of love that we share. 
And so in that light, we find each other and we find unity beginning in this table that we share, which is a foretaste of the feast that we will all share together with all believers and I believe all people through all time, past, present, and future in all creation, in eternity, the grand and great feast. So remember that, please, as you share communion and you go off into the world. Let faith be the window, be the light between the brokenness of the world that shows you all the world in God's light. So why is the church Catholic? That's why. Amen.